there, it's Mike Tramp, and you're listening to White Lion Fever, where rock and roll is still alive like it always has been and it always will be. So um, we're back with uh, um, Jeff Wilson, and this is a new episode of uh, White Lion Fever, if you're listening to the podcast. Welcome. Uh, Jeff Wilson has been on the last two uh, weeks of the program. And thank you for joining us for the final time there, Jeff. Jeff, um, we've spoken about um, The End Machine and the, the new album, uh, Phase 2, which uh, is getting a great uh, reaction. Uh, you've also uh, started working on uh, Black Swan. Is that, is that right? Um, um, mm-hmm. What's the latest there? The latest is uh, Red Beach was out a few weeks ago. And, uh, hey, that's George Lynch right there. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I hope they didn't. No, it doesn't show his number. Okay, good. No, no, no. Um, no, no anyway, no. Um, um, but anyways, what was I going to say? Oh, um, but uh, uh, Reb was out a couple weeks ago. We came up with uh, the first, the music for the first half of the record. Robin is writing. Actually, I got a text from Robin McCauley earlier this morning, and he was working on a couple of the songs. Uh, and in fact, he was working so hard that he mixed, missed a text I sent him last night. So... Um, <laughs> So yeah, we're we're well underway on the Black Swan record. Uh, Reb's going to come back at the end of May uh, f- to uh, to we're going to write the rest. So um, very excited about that. Some great stuff happening. Um, Reb and I just had an explosion of music, and Robin's really happy. So I bet he's writing some fabulous stuff. So um, looking forward to to the next Black Swan record a lot. This is like the, almost a cliche. At the, you know, the end of the interview, you ask all the newsy bits, but you know, I have to do it. Um, the other thing is, um, uh, is is foreigner, obviously, and new material, and um, you know, everyone's fascinated. You know, can they put out a record, or can they, or what's how? What, you know, I mean, and and it seems to be a bit. Sometimes, yes, we could do a lot of new material, and other times it seems a bit futile. Well, where does it where does it sit at the moment, there, Jim? <laughs> where does it sit? Well, it sits at, honestly, uh, it sits at that we are working on some new songs. They're, they're being, you know, worked on. Um, some great new material. But there's absolutely no deadline or schedule or plan for how it's going to come out. I think it's safe to say we probably aren't going to do, like, a whole new record of all new material. I don't see that being on the horizon. But I see new material being added into other packages or other... Uh, things that we're releasing over the next couple of years, so I'm sure it'll see the light of day somehow, somewhere, sometime. But um, but uh, I don't know exactly what that'll be. All I know is that we are working on music, and that it's been that's it, there's some really good stuff out there. So let's fingers crossed. Rather than asking the obvious Dawkins reunion question, I'll, I'll couch it a different way. What do you think um, Dawkins' legacy is and will be? Um, you look at bands from the same period. Def Leppard are playing arenas and, and doing really good business. Rat are playing clubs. Um, and it seems to be down to things that they, decisions they made at crucial periods over the last 25 years as to whether they're in a club, whether they're on a boat or whether they're, you know, in an arena. Um, so, so is there an objective as far as now uh, for building a legacy for Dokken um, that goes beyond a reunion? And, and how important are the decisions that you make now as far as that is concerned? Well, those are good points. Um, that's actually where my head is at about Dawkins. I mean, I would love to do one more Dawkins record. Um, 
right now Don is involved in his own version of the band and doing a record, and so we can't really deal with a, a reunion record at this point. Maybe never, who knows? Um, but uh, if once he's done with that and we and we address this again, um, I'd love to do another record. I'd love our legacy to have. I, I just feel like we still have something to say musically. We got together for the reunion a few years ago, and we did do one new song, and our chemistry was as intact as ever. Mm -hmm. uh, it really felt unchanged. So my sense is it's there, and that uh, if we tapped into it, we could come up with a great record. Um, so that's one thing I'd like to do for our legacy. The other thing is I, I would love to see... I mean, I feel like Dokken music was underutilized um, in, you know, in just the social panorama of music out there. Um, so maybe somebody can do something like that. Uh, we're, we're talking about possibly doing a box set at some point and throwing in a lot of interesting bonus stuff. So we do have plans for the Dokken legacy. Um, I hope it's concluded with a record, but, but again, it's so hard to say right now. Um, and it's hard to predict what's going to happen, uh, but know that we are thinking about it and moving in that direction. When you did the Tooth and Nail project, was that was that with Dawkins' legacy in mind, or was that to try to a little bit? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, wanted. I, I felt it was good to do some of those songs, um, and we had guest singers. Um, you know, for one thing, you can explore a little bit. Uh, of other things vocally with it. I mean, Ripper Owens was on it and sounded nothing like Don, but sounded really interesting. You know, um, Sebastian Bach sang Alone Again, and he did it really great. Um, actually, he was closer to Don than I thought he was going to be because he said he didn't want to tamper with the melody. Um, but, there was, uh, but there was interesting takes on that record, um, and, and that was an effort to show how strong the songs are regardless of who's performing them. Um, and... And I think we, we did that to some extent. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I you know, you have, to, you have to be grateful for a legacy like that. You know, I mean, are we the Rolling Stones? Of course not. But, um, but we have our own little thing, and we did it. And I think part of our legacy is that we had a take on melodic hard rock music that because of a very unique singer who also had a great melodic sense... Um, because the band in general all had a unique melodic sense and some great melodic ideas. It was a band of writers and an incredible groundbreaking guitar player. So I think that's kind of what the legacy will be of Dokken. Um, you know, and, and in our small way, I hope we get to bring that out as much as possible. How is, um, you know, Don, I had some complications from back surgery. Um, yeah. is, is, that, is that a factor in your planning as well or is he... Is he, is he much better well, than you? Only in to what degree his endurance is. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't think he's done a lot of live performing since all that. He's done some, so he, he, I guess he can do it. But I'm, I'm not sure. Where, I, we, we haven't talked those kind of specifics because we haven't really talked a reunion. Um, I mean, we've, we've talked a little bit about it. But anyway, um, so I guess it's a factor, but... Um, but as far as, I mean, he, he's certainly able to write lyrics and melodies, so, um, and we can certainly work together, so um, I don't think we're limited. I mean, you know, he, he, he was, you know, he was a writer of music as well with Dokken, but not as much as, as George or George and I working together were, so, so we would have no lack of music, <laughs> yeah. so if, as long as he can write lyrics and melodies, we'd be fine. Um, 
So I don't know how much of a factor that is. We'll see. But I mean, this is all speculation at this point. I understand. Know? I understand. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'll let you go in a minute. But um, one of my favorite home videos when I was a kid was that Doc and Home video. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, how many times has this happened to you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the heavy metal faces and the spinning the guitar. Um, and, 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 you know, subsequently you were in a serious film, uh, uh, which people love to bring up, uh, Rockstar. And, and I guess you're now talking about getting Dawkins' music out there more, which could be Hollywood and TV and, and stuff like Wonderful. that. So it all, it all kind of ties in a little bit. Um, did, was there ever... Vegas a- using Just Got Lucky? Come on. Come on. <laughs> well, I mean, talk about an ad for the city. You just got lucky, Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought the, the rental car company should use um, Mellencat. You know, hurts so good, but they haven't. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> but um no seriously but um did did you um ever come close to actually getting was hollywood kind of ever something where it could have been a career for you that you could have oh, you i don't know, think so um no i mean you know i i mean listen it was fun <laughs> it really was um and I, I, I would love to someday do some acting where I actually get to kind of more act like in you know, a rock star i was basically playing myself you know um but uh and, and that's fascinating, but, I mean, a career, I don't know about that. Certainly at my age, I can't see starting in there yet, so no. <laughs> we all have choices to make in life. Okay, um, one more song there, Jeff, and I'll let you go. Okay. Um, can we do something kind of off the wall? Yes, totally. All right. The, the last song on the record is a song called Destiny, and I just love the riff on it. I actually love the song. I just love how the whole thing goes. Uh, I think it's a hell of a way to end the record. Um, So let's play Destiny and um, judge for yourself.
this is Jeff Pilsen of Foreigner, Dokken, Dio, you name it, I was in it. Anyways, you're listening to my friend Steve Mascord on White Line Fever. Welcome back. And uh, Rob from Midnight City has joined us. And, mate, what a time to bring out a new record. Uh, we're coming out of lockdown, maybe, perhaps, hopefully. Um, is the timing, which was in May, this, this record came out, is good timing, bad timing? How's it been? Um, I think I think it's good timing. I, I hope so. Um, the, the, the issue, I mean, we this album has been finished for such a long time. Uh, we actually we actually finished recording the album in October of last year, so the album's been done like all that time. Um, so it's been a really really long wait. Um, but when we um, we signed with our new label um, at the end of last summer. And we were obviously, because the album was finished, we were keen to get it out, you know, the start of this year. You know, we, we were possibly looking at releasing it in sort of January, February time. But they just basically said, you know, there's, there's really no point in doing that at the minute, especially with everything going on. Um, you know, because obviously once the album comes out, we, we want to get out and play shows and do all that kind of thing. So they uh, it was they came up with the idea to put it out in May, and we at the at the time you know we, this is like January. We were thinking, oh, that's such a long time, but uh, it's it's weird. It's it's sort of come around quite quickly, you know. So, um, but yeah, we're just relieved to finally have the thing out. It's, it's been yeah. such a long way. It seems like I was about twenty one when, when I recorded this album with the guys. You know, we we we've all aged, I think, quite a lot. <laughs> and some sunglasses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to say I noticed it's on Roulette Records. So you moved from AOA Heaven to Roulette Records, and I did a tried to find out something about Roulette Records. Is it actually a PR firm that is sort of? Is that what it was originally a PR firm? It's kind, yeah, kind of a little bit of both. Uh, it was a little bit misleading, actually, when we first started talking to them. You know, we weren't sure whether it was, a, like I say, a media company or whether it was a record label. But uh, I think it possibly started out as more of a media thing, and now it's it's, it's very much a, a record label now. Um, and, uh, yeah, we, we signed with them last, I think it was August, we signed the deal. Um, we, we just felt that, you know, on our last sort of album, uh, well, we've done two albums with AOR Heaven. The last one, we just we didn't feel it really got as a, a bigger push as the first one. And uh, you know, we we were basically with with that label, we, we were just signing with them album album to album. So we weren't tied into any any you know any con any any deal with them beyond the, the last album. There goes the neighborhood. So um, so yeah, we started looking around with uh, you know for, for for new labels and um, and uh, Roulette Media kind of kept cropping up and. Um, you know, we, we also spoke to uh, Frontiers as well. Frontiers offered offered us a deal last summer. But we, we just kind of looked at both kind of labels and, and for what we were doing and what we wanted to do. And uh, Roulette seemed like the, the place to go. Uh, they, they kind of signed less bands, but kind of really worked the bands they signed, which is was kind of like music to our ears because I think that there's a lot of labels out there at the minute that, you know, sign, you know, they seem to sign like 100 bands a month and... You know, the album comes out and within like a week, it's they're on to the next release, you know. Um, but we just wanted a label that was going to really get behind the band. And, and we seem to have, you know, you know, struck gold with, with, with Roulette. Yeah, yeah. Mate, um, the, the, the one thing that I really want to ask about, I'm going to ask you to introduce a song for the podcast listeners shortly. And I don't want to lead you down a certain track in that area. But the video for They Only Come Out at Night is quite an epic and 
Um, it's fresh in my mind because I only watched it just before this call. I advise anyone who's watching on YouTube to, I might put a card up there somewhere so you can watch it. But, um, 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 and, and it's like, now what was that film from years ago about the, the video camera that got lost? But, it was, but, but the whole concept is like, uh, is quite elaborate. Um, I don't want to give it away too much, but uh, I mean, can you tell us a little bit about how, how that came, that came about? Um, how it was, how it was put together? So from, you know, from, from, I guess, conception to execution? Yeah. Um, well, the actual, the actual song itself um, I wrote um, totally inspired by, I was just sat on the couch, like, watching Lost Boys with, with my girlfriend about a year and a half ago. And obviously, so, you know, I've seen, uh, everyone's seen that movie a million times, but I hadn't seen it in, like, you know, like 20 years or something. And I was just watching it and thinking you know, what a great soundtrack, you know, what, you know, I mean, it's a great movie, but what a great soundtrack. And I, I just said, you know, wouldn't it be cool if, you know, one day they did a, a really cool, you know, remake of, of, uh, I guess I was also thinking about at the time the the Top Gun remake was kind of, I think it was supposed to be at last summer, wasn't it? But there was that, that was kind of going, that was maybe subconsciously in the back of my mind. But I remember just thinking, you know, they made a, a really cool, remake of Lost Boys, you know, to, to get, it wouldn't be cool to get a song on the soundtrack. And I'd had this title, They Only Come Out at Night, uh, the song title for, for, for quite a while. So the next day I, I kind of sat down and, and wrote the song, uh, which is kind of weird because I've never really written a song like that about, I, I almost wrote it as if I was writing it for, you know, a movie soundtrack, you know, which obviously, you know, we, we, that's not happened, but it, it was kind of, that was the idea behind it. So it, it kind of took on a life of its own. And, um, and then when we recorded it, um, you know, in the studio, it, it just turned out to be this kind of almost like epic sounding song and it. And it sounded like, like nothing else we we've ever done before. It was so different. And, uh, we, we all said, you know, we, this has got to be one of the singles and it's got to be one of the videos. So, um, so yeah, it was the third video. Um, and credit to Sean, our keyboard player, uh, he actually, um, completely scripted the whole video. Um, uh, he actually, you know, and he, and he said to us, you know, I want to make this not just a video. I want to make it kind of this, you know, almost like a mini movie, you know, with a real storyline. And because to those, those people who might not have seen it, there's, there's kind of like a four minute kind of intro before the actual song starts. Um, just to kind of paint the picture of what the, the story is about, you know, and he came up with this whole idea of, you know, the, these uh, three, three uh, people who won this ticket to kind of, um, you know, go around this, this haunted uh, mansion sort of thing. And, you know, can you survive the night? And obviously, you know, they don't, but it, but it's, it's such, such a cool, I mean, we hired uh, this incredible uh, venue called Kellum Hall, uh, which is just like, on the outskirts of Nottingham. And this place was just like, I mean, if you Google a picture of it, I mean, this place was just huge. And we had the, the run of the place for like 12 hours. Uh, and it, it was a really long shoot. You know, we were there from, I think it was like one in the afternoon till 1 a.m. the next morning. Um, but he did an incredible job of it. You know, he, he kind of took the my idea of the song and, and what the song was written about. And, and he kind of just ran with it and, wrote the script and you know got the got hired the actors and 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 directed the whole thing and uh, he he did a really cool job of it you know and we're 
you know, I mean, it's by far our, our, our best video. I, I don't, I, I can't really see how we want to top, top that one really, you know, it's such a cool video, but uh, yeah, so that's, uh, in a nutshell, that's kind of what, you know, what the song's about. We have to play a song now, I guess. We've probably got to play that one, right? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs>
Hey, this is Rob Wild from Midnight City, and you're listening to White Line Fever. Welcome back to White Line Fever, third part of our interview with Scott Ginn from uh, Rags and Riches and many other projects, including um, Maz XT, which we, we will discuss uh, uh, very shortly. Scott, I, I, we've been talking in the two previous instalments about what it was like to, to play live music in, in Australia in the, in the 1970s and, and, and largely into the, into the 80s. Um, you know, and, and some of the other uh, amazing, you know, tours. You, I mean, you opened for the B-52s in an er, you know, earlier band. And, and with Boss, you opened for, um, for Twisted Sister and Def Leppard. Um, what was the... I remember growing, growing up here and being into that sort of music and being completely smitten by it because it was everything that I guess I, I didn't see locally. You know, the, the guys dressed up and, and, and it was kind of aspirational. You know, they, they kind of... They almost sang up uh, to where they we wanted to be, rather than down to where we were. You know what I mean? Um, uh, I, I just wondered when did you you were, you you liked Led Zeppelin? Uh, you liked the toughness of Australian uh, music, but then you you obviously did start to um, get an interest in Van Halen and Rat and Motley Crue and and all these sort of bands. Um, what what was the trigger moment for that? Was it what made you so suddenly take an interest in, in in that? I think like about every red blooded hard rock musician, the moment that Van Halen exploded onto the scene, it was a complete game changer. Um, I can remember we were doing a few Van Halen songs in our set in band class at the time, and that would have been late seventy nine, eighty, I think. Mm. Um, and um, and that sort of whole big rock, if you like, arena metal that, that, that Van Halen brought to the table um, really was the trigger um, and opened up a lot of doors, I expect, for a lot of bands in the LA scene as well. Mm. Um, of course, the difficulty for bands of our sort of genre playing in Australia was there there wasn't as many well there was you know there wasn't as big a scene uh, it, it was a, a, a very niche but um, keen and dedicated bunch of metal heads in Sydney um, but um, you know we had to sort of you had you had to keep on chat tap with what was going on particularly in the states in the, in the, in the 80s um, um, and and you're kind of setting that as a benchmark and going, you know, you want to be as good as that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And Boss, Boss was one band that um, was sort of seemed destined for greatness um, at the time. And you, you, you were in Boss and, um, you know, you played at, uh, at, at uh, Selena's on, on a big support on, you know, with Boss. Um, the big question always comes up is about relocation, isn't it? About whether you... Whether, there was ever a move to, to move to here, which you know many bands did, like the Screaming Jets, right through to Airborne and, and Nicka, everyone, or to to uh, Los Angeles, like like Heaven uh, did. Was that ever um, discussed? That it ever seriously discussed in Boss? Absolutely. The 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 difficulty um, was that we didn't have financial backing behind us to, to to just you know even get us over there, let alone you know live probably in squalor in one house together kind of thing. Um, um, and, you know, to me, that's always been a crying shame with the, the, 
when that the album did come out, and I can't remember how many countries it was released in worldwide, um, which was you know sort of a, a huge stepping stone at the time. Um, but um, you know, we should have got it out there, whether it was to go into Japan or into Europe or or, or to the states. Um, it, it needed the record company backing to do that, and unfortunately, we didn't have that. Mm. And your your um, your final, um, you know, the the end of things at Boss was a bit abrupt, wasn't it? I mean, it didn't it didn't end well, or it didn't end in any way that you even understood. Is that is that right? A little bit, yeah, yeah. I was just told I was no longer required. Um, whether there was, uh, and it's never really been explained to me, um, but um, whether I was somewhat of a scapegoat because there was all this, there was a, there was. Uh, the you know the story that's long gone around about the drum machine thing um, with the album and the or the drum sound, um, and I've always sort of found that rather funny because you know what what was on on the album the only thing that was drum machine was the snare drum and bass drum. What what stuffed it up was that we were, again were dealing with people that were trying to mix something that they weren't any experience with. Here we were listening to Def Leppard's amazing production albums that Matt Lang was churning out. All drum machines, same thing. Mm. Um, but he knew how to make it work and, and the people we, I guess we were working with didn't. And so what ha- ends up happening with the mix is you just, you, you've got a mix that wasn't in the right proportions at all. Mm. Um, you know, and that's, <laughs> so, you know, that, that the track that, that you played earlier, which is my redo of, of Hard and Fast, a complete new recording of it, because uh, that was one that I wrote for the band, um, largely, um, was really almost an experiment to go, this is what it should have sounded like, fellas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, um, after now, so we'll move on to the stuff I'm sure you're far more interested in discussing now, which is Rags and Riches, and then, and then uh, into the, the long break you took from the music industry. Rags and Riches was, you know, you did you did a, a a solo project, and Rags and Riches was basically the band that, that you toured with um, when when you when you when you went solo, isn't it? What um, what was the kind of um, template for Rags and Riches? Like, was it you mentioned Van Halen earlier and, and stuff like that? Um, was that was that what you were aiming for there? Yeah, well, I think we were trying to find we were, de- we were definitely trying to find our own sound, which was probably somewhere between Van Halen's, Aerosmith, a um, little bit Motley Crue, but, you know, and, but how would I say? Um, well, we had this, uh, there was a number of tracks where we, we called it rag and roll, if you like, and it was this sort of, and it was using brass stuff um, to, to have almost a swing band meets heavy metal, if you like. Um, um, and so trying to give it, it's something unique so that it wasn't the same as everything else that was was churning out because there was a lot of stuff that was coming out of LA and the, the you know the whole hair metal scene and a lot of stuff started to sound really the same and I didn't think that was the go I thought you really got to you know your songs have got to stand up by themselves and um, and be something different so that you've got some sort of a trademark that people can associate with. Yeah, yeah. Now I don't. I don't want to suggest that um, that's all you were doing 
until you had a break because there was, you know, many other things like Montreux and you're in um, some tri tribute acts and blah, blah, blah. But eventually, eventually it all kind of paused for a long time. Uh, was that, what was it like to, what was it like to make that decision to walk away from something you love so much? And I think a lot of people our age have done that, you know, they've kind of, been sort of burnt out on the things that have obsessed them for the, for the first 40 or 50 years of their lives and they just need a break but um what was it like for you um well yeah for me it was is like probably a number of other people and i've heard people talk about similar sort of experiences is that um um my wife and i were starting a family um and um it was really hard getting home at four o'clock in the morning and then when to play with you he <laughs> wanted to play with you at seven o'clock in the morning and stuff um i'd also kind of set a, a little bit of a use by date of you know if i don't crack it by sort of x time um then then maybe i'm not gonna do it you know mm. um uh, and so um you know and and being a little bit financially responsible to my family too so yeah. uh, um that was that was it the, probably the other deal breaker was was the whole um the change in the music scene because while i was still doing rags um and the, the van halen show that we did um um i, w I was running the stu studios and i was i was recording a lot of the metal bands around the scene um and then when there was that the the, the dreaded um sort of change to um uh, when the um, um, the grunge era came into play, um, and a lot of the you know, a lot of the, the backside fell out of, of um, the metal scene, so there wasn't such a great attraction to, to stay in it. Um, so all those things sort of kind of led, led me to um, going, yeah, time to, to call call time on it, um, and that was that was that was was really it, and it was it was kind of strange because. Um, and I'd get people going, I'd, I'd stop going to gigs too, and I, and I essentially stopped listening to music effectively mm. um, because I'd, I'd get sick of going to gigs and people asking me and saying, you know, so what are you doing now, man? And I'm like, oh, nothing. I'm just not doing music anymore. Mm. Wow. And um, well, let's have another song and we'll talk about the great, <laughs> the phoenix rising from the ashes afterwards. Um, what, uh, what song can we play now, Scott? Okay, let's play a tongue-in-cheek one. This one is off the Maz XT Quick and the Dead album. It's called Twisted.
Hey there, it's Scott Ginn from Rags and Riches and Maz XT, and you're listening to and watching White Line Fever with Steve Mascord. Welcome back. Very, very special guest. I uh, would love to have him on the show any number of times in the past, but he's finally here. From Buckcherry, Josh Todd. Hello, Josh. How are you? Thank you. Hello. I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. I'm out here in the United States on the Hellbound Tour right now. We're on the uh, East Coast, so it's uh, 4.30 p.m. for me. Um, <laughs> it's been going really good you know we got a great new record just dropped and uh just really excited to be uh playing these songs live and to be out on stage now i've been doing a little bit of research uh before before calling you and it seems like it's quite a covid story you know like i just wonder if um would the album have sounded completely different without the pandemic is it is it has it been really informed by that Without the pandemic, there would be no album because <laughs> we would have been, uh, we, would, we had a whole uh, tour booked, uh, still touring on the War Paint record. So um, 2020 was filled up for us, you know, with touring. And then slowly but surely, month after month, everything started canceling and getting taken off the books. And uh, that's when we had to kind of regroup and reset and started talking to my manager and Stevie and I and my manager and I was like, hey, you know, when, when all the dust settles and, and we get back to life as some kind of normalcy, you know, we're, we're going to need another record. You know, it's going to be a couple of years, you know. And um, so we just, we just wanted to utilize the time wisely. And we started working really hard on this, uh, on the, the Hellbound record. And it's definitely one of our best records for sure. Um, we worked really, really hard on this. Um, we wrote about 28 songs for a 10-song record. So it really paid off. It's um, diverse, isn't it? And the songwriting's ambitious. Um, what, is there something you tried to... Did you set out was something to achieve on this record? Is there something, I want to achieve X, Y, and Z? I want to achieve greatness every time out. You know, <laughs> that, that's really it. I mean, uh, you know, it's literally that. We want to write a record that uh, you can put on and leave on. You know, something that's timeless and incredible and takes you on a journey and every song is a keeper you know what i mean every song is is a list there's no filler you know so i mean that's what we that's what we uh, strive for on every record but this one for sure and that's why we wrote a lot of songs you um talk about this being a sort of a little bit of a COVID story your own experience now i didn't even i've got to admit i thought i had a decent vocabulary but i wasn't sure what a phlebotomist was until uh, <laughs> a few hours ago oh, uh, did, yeah, I say yeah, right? yeah. did i say it right a lot of people are talking about my phlebotomy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was already done. Uh, well, while, while we were writing songs for it, I was also um, studying uh, for phlebotomy. You know, I, I, I was just interested in it. I like to learn new things all the time. And um, yeah, it's weird. It's really off the beaten path, but it was good for me. It was, uh, I, I like doing things that take me away from music, you know? Yeah, yeah, because it's because music's all I've done for since I was fifteen, you know. So, and and you would have been like almost a frontline worker, like when people, uh, you know, are getting their vaccinations. So you would actually. I was know a frontline worker. You were, yeah. Yeah, I, we finished. Uh, we finished the Hellbound record. We were done with this record in October of 2020, mm -hmm. and I started working for a COVID clinic out in downtown Los Angeles in December 2020, and. Uh, I worked full time. I was a phlebotomist and a lab technician, and I've I've held a lot of live coronavirus in my hands. I've taken a lot of blood. I've I served my community, and it was uh, it was pretty amazing. So, 
could you can you enlighten us as to what it's what it's like out there in the front line? What the attitude uh, is in, in America to the you know to, to the vaccination program to the virus? We've got all over the world. We've got anti-vaxxers. Now you find yourself out on the road. You're dealing with social distancing and all that sort of stuff. You must have very yeah. very firm views on on all those issues and and on a, yeah. Uh, what are the problems that you encounter? What are the things? That it, it's tough. It's tough because I got to see firsthand how uh, coronavirus really affected our, our community and our city, you know, and at one point we had a 60% infection rate every day, you know, and um, I saw the people, I saw the people who were sick. You could see them when they rolled up in their cars, you know, um, you could see them when you were taking their blood. And, and so um, it was heavy, you know, we also, uh, I had some coworkers that got coronavirus. We've known a lot of people that have had coronavirus of course i'm sure you've known some people who have had coronavirus so it's it's not a fun thing and it really affects people dramatically in different ways you know and um i think blood type plays a role in in it as well you know but as far as getting vaccinated it was a no-brainer for me and because i was a frontline worker at the time i got to be one of the first you know and i went and got vaccinated right away you know and so did all my co-workers and and uh, i actually got the moderna va vaccine and and uh, I'm so I'm super grateful for that. Um, I don't want to get in a big vaccine debate, you know, because I, I think everybody has their own beliefs and and I don't want to get into a big political discussion because it's not it's not my thing, you know, but um, I can just tell you from being in, in the thick of it, I, I definitely was happy to get the vaccination. Before we have our first song, Josh, for the people listening, not for the people watching, do, do people have to be vaccinated to come to your shows? Uh, I don't think you're ever going to find out who's actually vaccinated or not. <laughs> so that's, I, I, you know, no, we don't require a vaccination to come to the Buck Cherry Show. <laughs> okay, let's have a song. What can we, what can we um, listen to? <laughs> uh, let's play Hellbound, title track, one of my favorite all-time Buck Cherry songs.
Josh Todd from Buck Cherry, and you're listening to White Line Fever. Check it out. Welcome back to the program. Second part of our uh, chat with uh, Mar- Marcus from Halloween. Welcome uh, back to the to the show, Marcus. Um, so you know, I know that you've obviously the tour was so long ago, and you've spoken about it so much. Um, what about when you get off the road and everyone thinks, well, this is a great idea. Maybe we'll do another tour. Who raises the prospect of actually doing a record together? Was it discussed while you were traveling? Well, the whole idea of the reunion was like, you never know what happened if if people like the, if, if you get the old people back in, it would be like uh, it, we gave it a try, uh, and it was a bit more careful to start with a with a tour, you know, uh, because hanging out on a tour, uh, just in case for some horrible reason the understanding isn't that well, you can still do the shows. And then going back to your hotel room, everybody's doing what they want to do. Mm. You because because you you have contracts and all that, you got to fulfill those. Yeah. Uh, finishing the tour, that's what you can do pretty easy, even if you don't understand yourself that much. Mm. That was the idea, finding out if if that is working. But when you start realizing in a creative process, like being in a studio creating songs together, and then you start. Uh, realizing the understanding isn't that well, then you you have a big problem trying yeah. to create trying to create such songs uh, without you know without the understanding without you know without that familiar feeling in that studio. That's even harder. So that's why we started with the tour, and then we find out it's easy to to go back into the studio, which which it kind of was. You know, of course you have like two more opinions about the songs it, it doesn't make make the whole process easier because there's two more uh always two more i i ideas two more influences and they say they want to have it like this there's a tons of ideas coming at you while you're playing a song you know yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. your head is exploding but this is a creative process it was also you know worth it listening back to all those songs it wouldn't make it easier but it's a very interesting process having all these people and working on those tracks man how had you know um some of the guys changed in their the way they worked and the things they were into i mean you know the the the, the amazing video that's just come out is very sci-fi focused so i'm yeah. i'm guessing there are guy there are quite a few there's at least two or three guys in the band who love their sci-fi um, you know, were, the, were, were some of the guys who came back into different things than they were when you were last in the band with them? Mm, it's, I think they're a lot more cooler than it's not that ego trip anymore. That we all work for, like the whole thing. Everybody sees the everybody sees the big pumpkin behind it, you know. <laughs> and it was like in the earlier days, it was like much more fights about egos and stuff like this. And now it's more like everybody's. Po- 
been pretty cool because years uh, were passing by. I don't know what it is, but now we see the whole thing, the whole big pumpkin behind the whole project, you know, behind the whole band. And we're all walking, working for one goal, you know. It seems like uh, uh, working is so much easier than back in time, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I just before we go to the next song, Marcus, I, I, I kind of think also you mentioned in the press release that you quoted that it was it's quite an emotional experience, and I think we kind of get to an age, don't we, where we we want to re represent everything we've done, not just what we're doing today. You know what I mean? We want yeah. we, we want to embrace everything we've ever done and feel like it's part of our lives. And it, it, was that part of the reason why th this was kind of special for you? It's it's been special because we, we were we were preparing it like uh, a long long time before it ha actually happened. It's not just something you 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 talk about calling the guys up and making a date for the very next week, uh, mm. saying all right, let's go back into the rehearsal room. It, it we just took a lot of time to prepare the whole thing, and. We, we know it's going to be a big thing, and so a big thing will need pre preparation, a very good preparation to, to make it very stable. We, we wanted everybody to know that it's going to be for real, and this try, we start with a tour, and, and this try is going to be very serious, not just only here I am, let's do a blues session or something, you know, <laughs> just something more than just hanging around for a couple of gigs and that was clear from the beginning so we were preparing it year for for a long long time also the same we did with the record you know we 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 took a lot of time to getting the songs together but that's what we wanted that's what we wanted to find out how many how much many how much time we need to to prepare it and we find out we need a lot of time to get to these ideas to to get a picture how we can do it you know but the thing is we 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 took it we now nowadays we just can take the time to 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 get it for real you know yeah let's have another song there marcus what can we what can we have oh what uh, you you play some skyfall that's long enough
white life you've ever Going to run land down under Going to turn around the corner way down yonder <laughs> And I'm not even going to try to rhyme anymore Michael Monroe here for White Line Fever and Dig. You get a chance, come and check us out live. We're going to rock your socks off and whatever, rock like fuck. That's what I say, okay? <laughs> come on down and rock on.